This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 10th, episode 2994, brought to you by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, we're going to have a little bit shorter show for you today because we're getting ready. We're packing and getting the trailer ready and everything ready to go to your place. So I we're no, you're on your way to Oklahoma. <laughs> Tomorrow we leave. Just the destination everybody dreams of. Yes, I, we've never been to Oklahoma, so we can cross a state. Actually, we'll cross a couple states off the list on the way out there. Uh, we're staying with friends over the weekend. So basically, we have to drive three days to get to you. <laughs> It's a long drive. So we're going to be doing that starting tomorrow. So we have some packing to do and other things. And it, we're doing it in a brand new Living Corners horse trailer. So uh, we have that to deal with, too. It's like we... Uh, we it's are, new. Everything will yes. work perfect. Yeah. I, well, Just and don't it, put your shaking fork in the back and let it vibrate and freak <laughs> you out. I'll remember that. And it's where to put everything, you know. It's the first time... And the li- the living quarters part's much smaller than the camper, so we have to condense. Although I did bring a lot of clothes, and they fit just fine. Um, so in today's Daily Dose Health segment, we're talking trailer safety. That came up for a couple of reasons, one in the auditor room and one I'll tell you about a little later. We have Dwayne Russell on to do that. And our Horses in History brings us the horse sports in the first Olympics back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And let me tell you. Did you fact check this time? Yes. And it, there were some bizarre ones. <laughs> so that's coming up a little bit later as well. But going on right now is the World Championships, like we talked about the other day. Paris happening right now. Kate Shoemaker from Wellington is up first today. Uh, she was a member of the bronze medal team last year in Tokyo and will be contesting her first championship with her horse. How do you think you say that? Kiana. Kiana. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I would thought. But I thought, well, I better make sure I'm right. And uh, that's her own Rhinelander mare, who she started competing earlier this season. Beatrice D. Labette uh, is from Loxahatchee, Florida. Labellette. Labellette. Can you pronounce this horse's name? Sixth Sense. I got that one. That one was easy. <laughs> uh, and she's uh, making her championship debut with this horse. Uh, uh, Lavalette achieved a major milestone in her career after representing the United States at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo last summer. Sixth Sense is also a new mount acquired after the Olympic Games. It's an Oldenburg gelding born in 2010. And then reigning Paralympic champion grade one Roxanne Trunnell, also from down in Wellington area, will compete for the team aboard uh, uh do you think it's fortunato 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 h2o a 2016 oldenburg stallion a young one uh this is the stallion's first champ- championship appearance as trunnell looks to hold on to her uh her championship so 
We're excited to see all of them. Charlotte, by the way, one of our spotlight riders we've been following this year, is in Vermont right now. She's continuing her training up there. She was on the reserve for this, but all of the riders were still healthy. Horses were still healthy, and they went to the championships, and that starts today. Also, World Jumping Championships are going on right now as well. So a lot happening in sport right now in the horse world. And we're going to talk about the Olympics in the early days. Is coming up in just a few minutes. But first, Daily Winnies. We have some auditor birthdays, Clover, Rachel, and Betty Faye. Did you see Betty Faye when you were in Colorado this last time? We did not get to hook up. I did not stay anywhere close to Pueblo, uh, which is where she lives. And uh if I was going to be driving back through, she's like, I'll meet you on the freeway. We'll stop and hang out. And ended up going she's south so after that. So she's so nice. She's a, she's a sweetheart. So happy birthday to all of you. <laughs> I've been crying all morning, Glenn. Let me tell you why. Okay. It's the first day of school. Is it I had really? To, had to send my son to school. I'm really sad about it. Devastated. You and a lot of other mothers are crying their hearts out this morning. <laughs> For some reason, uh, you didn't seem all that unhappy in the pre-show about that. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was like, "What do I do daily?" Oh, yeah, my kid's in school today. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so we had like a little back-to-school night last night where he got to meet his teacher and. Um, I ended up taking the puppy with us, so the teacher loved us because <laughs> everybody, everybody's like, oh, the puppy. You were the hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did so he want to take the puppy to the school puppy. this morning? Well, so one of the things she does, which I thought was pretty cool, she's a new teacher, so she's never taught a class before. She's been oh, like, like brand a, new. Like she's she's not young. She's raised kids, and she's okay. always kind of been like an a, a tutor and stuff like that. But she's never actually taught in a classroom. So she now has her first classroom, and so she is super motivated and gave them all a little paper bag and said, "We want I want you to put three things inside this little <laughs> paper lunch bag that represent you." And he was like, "Did I put the puppy in the bag?" <laughs> Some things that are special to you. Yeah. And he was like, mom, dad, and puppy. I was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars when we get home. Thank you for including me. <laughs> but yeah, it was funny. He was going out to the car and I was like, oh, baby, don't cry. Don't cry. Mommy's right here. And he's like, shut up, mom. Like, come here, baby. Give me a kiss. I love you so much. Don't cry. And he's like, dad, can we please go? She's embarrassing. I'm like, who am I embarrassing in front of? He's like, you're embarrassing. I'm constantly. Oh, he's at that age. Oh, I was like, dude, if you think I'm embarrassing now, just wait. <laughs> wait till you start <laughs> Just what wait. What grade is he in? He's, well, he's supposed to be in fourth, but he's going into fifth. Oh, wow. Because he Holy got crap. Chad's brain, you know. Oh, thank God. Got that from Chad. <laughs> but yes, he's in, my kid is in fifth freaking grade. What? You guys, he was born on the show, (laughs) practically. I wouldn't let microphones into the delivery room. I wanted to do that because I thought it would help ratings, but she wouldn't do it. 
No, not yeah. gonna happen. That did, did that was kind. Of, if we had done that, that would have kind of been a morning show stunt. I mean, in traditional radio, that that is a radio stunt right <laughs> yeah, there, right. and you would have heard me. You, you had to bleep I had it to all out. The whole thing. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm so happy that he's off to fifth grade. Oh my god! I know. It's crazy. And I'm sure for, there's For those this... who don't know, he, he, he so when COVID happened, he was in first grade and they stopped going to school. And so there's like, you know, you have to meet on Zoom on Monday and he's in freaking first grade. And so we meet on Zoom and it's basically like a show and tell. This is my room. You know, people running around with their iPads and all this. Yeah. And I was like, this is madness. And they send home some work and she sent home like, you know, we got printed up like five pages of work. And he did that and I made him do it that day. And then like the next day we didn't get an email. So I called the teacher and she was like, no, that was for the week. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like it took him 10 minutes. Like what? She was like, that's the week's worth of work. I was like, you know what? We're done. I'm not doing this. I'm going to buy a book of second grade and just teach it to him. So I was that horrible mom who like made him do study during the summer of his second grade year before. So when we got to this new school, cause I was like, I'm not going to a school, public school where they're just going to be like, mm, school's canceled. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I bought this book, taught him second grade. He went to the, his new school and they talked to him. And they're like, mm, yeah, we're going to put him in third. So he actually just skipped a grade because I was like a mean mom. Who made him do stuff yeah, you made him work. <laughs> in between? <laughs> so he, so he, he skipped a grade. I, see, I flunked first grade. So no, you did not. I, I, I did. Are they, you serious? Uh, oh, my mom and the teacher got in this huge battle, and uh, all all through my first grade, they were fighting by notes that I had to tra- that I had to deliver home, and <laughs> they're passing the notes. Morning. Pre-emails. <laughs> oh, my God. They were passing these notes back and forth, and I had to bring them back and forth. So I was the bad guy because my mom did not like her at all. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I flunked. she flunked me. And then, fortunately, there was a different first-grade teacher the next year. Oh, my so, God. How do you flunk a first-grade? Like, that's not. not a, I, I mean, you're know. an April birthday, right? So you're not yes. even that late. I, I don't know. But, you know, I never flunked after that, so I guess I caught up or whatever. I don't even know what the problem was. I, I told Lucas, I was like, you are skipping a grade, but if you think you're leaving this house a year early, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I was like, you are living, you're not graduating and going to college at 17. You know, he you could know. be super smart in college at like 14, you know? I know. He could be a Sheldon Cooper. Well, he, he's been making like straight A's and A pluses all of, all things. And he, but he's got his dad's brain where like, cause Chad was a math major, you know, like who, and he does math for fun. Like what? <laughs> and he's constantly, you look over, I'm like, are you doing math right now? And he's like, yes, which is really fun to have a guy who does math in his head all the time when you own horses. Like, let me just bring it back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. The Do you realize you can that? Add him up. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. And, and so, so oh, Chad, Lucas also gets either. Does he? <sighs> He'll be like, do you know that the purchase price with this horse plus the seven vet bills plus feed? And then we got hay and we had the grain and then we got, you know, the shipping in. And I'm like, stop. It's just money we give away. That's right. You're supporting the local economy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why it's nice to have my own business now where all the horse stuff goes through my account. And he's like, how's it going? I'm like, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's no all problems. All good. <laughs> By the way, I have a consult with a surgeon that the phone could ring any minute and I'll have to answer it. So that's fun. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Yeah, that'll be another day. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, we're, we're sponsored today by Stateline Tech. Head on over to statelinetech.com. I, I'm sure I'll see them actually in a couple of weeks when we go to WISA, the trade show. Uh, but right now they're highlighting their fly sheets right there in the home page. You can't miss it. A huge banner at the top. They have how many pages? They have three pages of fly sheets. And there was one that I have never seen before from Horseware that is like a spider's web. It looks like a spider's web, and it is the most bizarre fly sheet I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's a horseware amigo. It's called the camo fly, and I think it's one of those that's supposed to, you know, the flies are not attracted to it because of the design of the fly sheet. But oh my god, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I'm looking forward now. I mean, I've I've heard that the zebra stripe ones are good. Yeah, to this is looks like a up. big uh, spider web, and I don't know if I want a big spider web on my pony. I'm just saying. We have enough spider webs for real here in Florida. It's called the Horseware Amigo Camo Fly. Uh, but they have like three pages of fly sheets. There is a wide variety of fly sheets available now. All different colors, all different sizes, from minis on up to draft horses, and all different price points as well, from $40 all the way up to hundreds of dollars for the horseware. Check them out today over at statelinetack.com. And don't forget the cool coats. They're very popular as well. I know we started selling those years ago when they first came out. So check out all of the fly gear. You know what? They probably ripped, we're in what, almost August? So most fly sheets that started out <laughs> this summer have been torn by now. So you're going to need a new one. StatelineAttack.com. So I went down a rabbit hole today. I was like, what can I do in the horse health segment? And I found this article on FEI, actually, uh, on the early, early, early first Olympics. Oh, horses in history segment. Gotcha. What, what did I say? You said horse health. It's, oh, I'm sorry. It's yeah, horses in history. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, we are doing horse health a little later, but the horses in history segment, uh, I got down this rabbit hole when I saw the FEI and they had this article on the first Olympics that was done in 1896. And then what happened after that incorporating horse sports and what some of them were. So I ended up hours down this rabbit hole and put this little segment together for you so you don't have to go hours down the rabbit hole. And I did a little horses in history for you. In this month's Horses in History segment, we look back at the first couple modern Olympic games and what role horses played. After several small-scale sporting events across Europe, the French historian Pierre de Coubertin developed a concept of having a multinational and multi-sport event. He formed the International Olympic Committee, and the first modern games was held in Athens, the home of the ancient games, in April of 1896. The 1896 Olympic Games was a real success, with more than 80,000 spectators attending the opening ceremony. 280 participants from 13 nations competed in 43 events, covering track and field, swimming, gymnastics, cycling, wrestling, weightlifting, fencing, shooting, and tennis. All the competitors were men, and a few of the entrants were tourists who stumbled upon the Games and were allowed to sign up. There were no horse events that year. However, there is some grainy black-and-white film of the first Olympics on YouTube. Horses came into the Games four years later in 1900 in Paris. The first equestrian events were jumping, high jump, long jump, and male coach carriage driving. Another event was Hacks and Hunter, which the riders perform on the flat at a walk, trot, canter, and a hand gallop 
and then they jumped to low fences. The competition was held from May 29th to June the 2nd, competitors from eight countries competing in three jumping and two driving events. It is not certain how many competitors there were, but it's likely that there were between 37 and 64. This is the closest they could come. Five nations competed in the Olympic jumping events, with three more, Germany, Spain, and Austria, in the two driving events. There were two female riders, both of whom competed in the Haxon Hunter combined event, an Italian and a French woman. Prizes were awarded for each of the sporting competitions. The winners received either an artwork or a cash prize between 4,000 and 6,000 francs. In the jumping event, which is the only one of the five contested at Paris in 1900 that remains part of the Olympic sports program, the top three prizes were awarded to riders who completed the course without any faults and classified according to their times, so it's similar to now. In Paris, the long and high jump traditionally contested in athletics were transposed to the equestrian arena for the first and only time in Olympic history. In the long jump, the initial challenge was to clear a distance of 4.5 meters, which all 17 competitors managed. However, several then fell by the wayside once the asking distance was increased to 4.9 meters, or 16 feet. Now, I'm trying to think about how horses did long jumping. I know how people do it. I don't know how they got the horses to do it. Anybody has an answer to that, let me know. In the end, the Belgian army officer riding his mare extra dry emerged in a league of his own as the only rider to go clear at 20 feet for the long jump. In the final day of competition, 18 competitors took part in what was billed as a high jump championship. The gold medal was shared by France and Italy. The two horses both cleared six foot two. There were some bizarre non-horse events held, too. How about live pigeon shooting, rope climbing, tug of war, hot air ballooning, and firefighting? Then there were no equestrian events at the 1904 Olympic Games in St. Louis, and they also were not held at the 1908 Games in London, despite initial plans for the modern disciplines of dressage, eventing, and show jumping being agreed upon for the London Games, but they weren't able to put it together in time. They were brought back in in their current form, actually, in 1912 in Stockholm. Count Clarence von Rosen, the master of the horse to the Swedish king, who was an IOC member, ensured that the horse sports would be a key part of the 1912 games in Stockholm. Indeed, Sweden did include dressage, eventing, and jumping, noting the likely appeal to military representatives. Ten nations and more than 60 riders took part in the equestrian events in 1912 in Stockholm, with some competitors traveling from as far away as Chile and the United States. More than 25,000 spectators watched the events that took place in the new Olympic Stadium. Sweden made it a 1-2-3 sweep in dressage. The 1912 dressage test did not contain any pee-off or passage, but five jumps up to 1.1 meters. In the end of the program, the horses had to jump a painted cylinder that was rolling towards them. There were bonus points uh, to be won when the rider held his reins in only one hand. And get this, the eventing competition consisted of a 55-kilometer endurance race, a 5-kilometer cross-country, a 3.5-kilometer steeplechase, jumping over 15 obstacles, and dressage. Wow, that is a long couple of days. And I'm happy to report 
that the United States came in third that year in 1912. Well, there's a little bit of the history of horses in the Olympics. This horse health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. So there was a post in the auditor room about trailering, and the post was an article about people who let their horses ride in the trailer with their heads stuck out. Oh, God, is there anything worse and cringy than that? <laughs> and especially on the side, so if, on the left-hand side, which is the side facing traffic, right? So, you know, and I, first of all, I haven't seen that too often. I don't see that happen. Maybe you see it. I don't see it too often. I, I was in Arizona and I think probably it's, it's a weather thing because people in Arizona do it. And I had a student drive up to my house with her horse in the trailer and his head was out of the trailer. And she pulls up and she's up. She's like, we're here. And I'm like, don't you ever drive <laughs> with your horse. Like I freaked out. And so for those that don't know, do not open the window and let your horse poke its head out. It's super dangerous. So Especially yeah, with the on article the traffic side, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> any side. But the article was about a truck driver that has had to kind of like end up in the ditch because they were coming on a like say a two lane road and the horse's head is out and it's a it's a semi and she, she said three times in the last several years she's had to run off the road into a ditch be, to avoid the horse head hitting her truck. And the mirrors, the truck mirrors stick out way far, right? Uh, and the other thing is, if you ever drove in the back roads of Kentucky, and I know you have, they barely fit one car, let alone mm -hmm. a trailer and a truck. So you would That's get true. your horses hit. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, the other thing that made me think of this was I brought our new trailer in to have its bearings packed, and I had the truck brakes checked because it's 100,000 miles in the truck now. We, I thought by now we would need new brakes. Apparently, we don't, which I give credit to the brand new place we brought the truck and trailer, uh, who were very honest about that and said, oh, your brakes are fine. <laughs> so that was good. Um, but he, the trailer's only a year old. Now, somebody else owned it for a couple of months, I think, before we bought it from the dealer. So I don't know what the deal was there. But it was built in 2021. And when I brought it in, the guy said, how old is it? And I said, it's only a year old, but I don't trust a factory to pack the brakes or the pack the bearings correctly. And he said, you're wise. He said, I cannot tell you how many trailers we've had in here with seized axles. And they said, but I just bought it. And it was the factory that didn't do it right. So he did say then after he said, it's good you had them in. They were a little, they were, the, it was drying out. So, uh, you know, the bearings are something you should have repacked every year in your horse trailer. But that just got me to thinking about trailer safety. And we did a segment on this in the past on the endurance show, uh, with a guy named Dwayne Russell, who did a great job talking about very practical things with your trailer and how to make sure you're safe when traveling. So I thought I'd replay that today, uh, because, you know, it is an important thing to, to consider and to worry about all of us travel. So let's take a listen to. Dwayne Russell and Karen Chatton was co-hosting that day. Dwayne Russell, who travels extensively and camps across the United States, and I believe he even has gone to Canada, and he is a really knowledgeable person on horse trailer safety, and we're going to talk with him and get some good tips on a few different 
things regarding our horse trailers. Good morning, Dwayne. Thank you for joining us. And I'm looking forward to talking about trailer horse trailer safety with you this morning. Good morning. Thank you. All right. So tell us, what do you think are the most important points to know about trailer safety? Well, I think trailer safety really falls into four basic categories. Uh, the first being tires and brakes. The second being the coupling system. The third being flooring. And the fourth being the electrical and lighting systems. Now, if you'd like me to, to elaborate on that, we'll talk a little bit about tires and brakes first. Okay. Okay. Tires and brakes uh, are, are obviously the most uh, common wear item on a horse trailer, and they're the thing that people most think about. Uh, but a lot of times what we fail to do is we fail to inspect them on an often enough basis. Every time you get your horse trailer hooked up to the truck, you should be out checking the tires on your horse trailer. You're going to be looking for cracking or checkering on the sidewall. You're you're going to be looking for wear either on the outside edge of the tire or the inside edge of the tire that indicates that there's a camber problem or abnormal wear that might indicate that there's a scuffing issue, meaning one of the axles is out of alignment. Uh, right. Perhaps the most important thing on uh, tires is tire pressure. You know, a tire gauge is your best friend. Make mm -hmm. sure that all the tires are equalized so that the trailer's running the same pressure across all the tires, and therefore they're staying the same temperature. Underinflated tires tend to run different temperatures than properly inflated tires, and of course, they wear differently. When it comes to the rest of the trailer, as far as concerned, wheel bearings are probably the number one issue. Uh, too often we replace the tires, but we seldom repack the wheel bearing and do basic axle maintenance. And this causes a lot of problems going down the road. People, you've, you've seen the classic situation where, you know, bearing seizes up and the tire comes off or, you know, a bearing seizes up and the trailer catches fire. And the best way to prevent that is to simply replace the, t the bearings when you do the tires. Regrease it, make sure there's fresh grease in the bearings all the time, and you're going to get a much easier pull trailer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one that uh, our guy recommends once a year. What do you say to that? You know, I, I would agree. I, I think once a year is ideal, but it would be also depending on the amount of traveling. I mean, if you're a professional horse hauler, obviously you're going to do it more often. Right. But if you're a you know recreational horse hauler and your trailer sits over the winter, you know, in the spring is the right time to do that, right? Mm -hmm. To check your tires and check your brakes and, you know, go through the, the axles and make sure all the wheel bearings are done. And of course, Braking now is the next big story in this picture. Uh, brakes need to be properly adjusted, and they also need to be uh, maintained. And we have different kinds of braking systems on horse trailers. We have electric brake systems. We have hydraulically actuated disc brake controllers. So we have different wear mechanisms, and we have different service intervals based on that. So based on the type of trailer you have, you're going to want to take it in periodically and have the brakes looked at. And you'll know. When you're pulling it, you'll know. It either it either brakes properly and trims properly with a brake controller, or it doesn't. And if it's starting to get to that point where it feels like it's just a little bit flushing, that's a good time to take it and have brakes checked. Right. And we always um, drive around the neighborhood practicing the adjustments once it's loaded, too, because it you know, breaks differently when it's empty versus loaded with the horses in it. Completely true. Uh, as a matter of fact, you probably are adjusting brakes differently for where you live. If you live here in the Rocky Mountain Range where, you know, we have a lot of heavy, you know, crawling uphill and downhill, you know, maybe mm -hmm. trimming brakes come on a little bit sooner. 
and a little harder uh, versus if you're in the Midwest and on flat ground, you know, traveling at regular highway speeds, you don't need the the heavier adjustment. So Mm -hmm. obviously trimming that brake controller is important to where you live and you may be adjusting it on a long trip. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's next? Okay, the next thing I'd like to go into is the gooseneck coupler or uh, tongue fill coupler, the emergency breakaway system, and the safety chains. You know, too often we're, we think of these as non-wear items, and they are actually wear items. The coupler itself and the gooseneck ball or the tongue fill ball do actually wear. They, once they get to a point where they, the metal is metal molded, you know, onto each other and they, they start getting a little age on them, uh, we run the risk of jumping the ball. And when I say that, what I mean is, is the coupler slipping over the ball or uh, basically releasing the trailer. And that's the last thing you want to do in hauling. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't replaced the gooseneck ball, the tongue toe ball, or the coupler in, say, you know, seven to ten years, uh, you know, again, depending on your wear pattern, right, it's something that you probably want to be looking at. To minimize wear on those two items, you want to periodically clean those couplers, uh, you know, wipe them out with a rag, maybe use a little bit of brake fluid, or I'm sorry, not brake fluid, uh, brake cleaning uh, spray and go in and okay. get all the grease out and the dirt out, and then reapply a good heavy-duty grease to make sure that uh, it's gliding smoothly. Safety chains are an absolute must. Most states have a law that says you have to use safety chains, Okay. Make sure that they're they're in good mechanical condition, that they're not, you know, badly rusted through or pitted. Uh, make sure that they're properly connected with good fasteners because the safety chain's purpose in life is to make sure that your trailer doesn't get away from you, okay? You want to you wanna cross your safety chains with a tongue tow trailer so that if the condition we just talked about, jumping the ball occurs, that the front of the trailer lands in the cross safety chains and supports it so that the front of the trailer doesn't hit the highway. We've had Same this, thing is we, good. we had this happen. Um, so it was ages ago, eons ago, and the actual hitch cracked underneath the truck. So the whole thing fell down, didn't come unhitched from the ball, uh, but the whole thing fell down and basically came loose. And what saved what saved the truck and trailer from parting and going ways over a little bridge, by the way, um, was the safety chains. The only thing that saved the trip, it was a tag along two horse and, uh, we were hauling furniture at the time, not horses, thank God. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah, we had, we were in Amish country and we went to the barn there and he said, Oh, I could weld it all back together for you. And he did right there in his welder in the barn. <laughs> but, okay. uh, yeah. So, but those chains are what saved the whole thing. Absolutely. You know, and they're just, they're such a critical part of the safety. I mean, to be honest, though, Dwayne, they don't look like they'd save anything. They look like they'd just snap, but they didn't. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's, it's strange because when, when a trailer truck jumps the ball, whether it's a gooseneck or a tongue to a trailer, you know, it's got to land somewhere, right? And you only have a percentage of the trailer's weight on those chains. Idyllically, you know, we talk about the anatomy of a gooseneck failure, you know, uh, let's say that, You know, you were in a hurry and the kids were, you know, running around and you were loading horses and someone distracted you and you hooked up the safety chains and you you got the emergency breakaway cable clipped on, but you forgot to lock the coupler. You go down the road and, you know, your scenario, bridge, well, you know, I use railroad tracks, right? It jumps off the ball and now the coupler's in the back of your truck. Mm. The only thing to prevent it from going out the back of your tailgate, ripping your tailgate off and then impacting the highway 
potentially rolling because of the violent decelerization uh, is those safety chains. You know, they're designed to keep the coupler mm-hmm. in the truck, right? And in the case of a tongue toe, they're designed to keep it from hitting the ground. That, if it's paired with a properly adjusted breakaway cable, and I'm going to go into this in a little more detail. Oh, you mean one that the battery's breakaway. charged, actually? Charged? And yeah. That's, not that's, one that I haven't looked probably, at the battery in forever. You mean that one? Uh. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly the one. Uh, you know, the, the emergency breakaway system consists of a small 12-volt battery. It's usually about the size of a motorcycle battery. Uh, on a tongue-toe-type trailer, it's usually in the lower tack room. Uh, on a gooseneck, it's usually hidden up underneath the gooseneck infrastructure. It has a breakaway device. It has a little plastic pin in it and a cable that you attach to your vehicle. The idea being when you jump the ball and the trailer starts rolling backwards, that that cable pulls out before the safety chains reach their maximum limit. Okay? The idea is just to trigger the brake system to come on before the chains are tight, slack up those chains too tight, and bring your vehicle to a controlled stop using the trailer brakes. Okay? So if that battery's dead, that system's not going to work. If that emergency breakaway cable is too long, it will never get actuated. So we want to make sure that we go out and test that. The easiest way to test that is to hook up your safety chains and your emergency breakaway cable, lower your gooseneck down behind the ball, and slowly pull forward. Right. In other words, you know, you know, have a friend help. That's the easiest way to do this. Right. Have them standing here and just kind of inch forward. If your emergency breakaway cable doesn't pull out before your safety chains are tight, you need to trim it so that it does. Yeah, got it. And how do you do? You put a trickler uh, charger on your battery. I said I do something a little bit different with my trailer. I use a, a battery cutoff switches, and I have a, a dedicated charger specifically from the, the manufacturer of the battery that's a maintainer. And so if the trailer's sitting in you know storage for a couple of months, I'm not getting the parasitic draw off the batteries and, and and losing that. Now the gooseneck battery is a different story. It's always hooked up, but as long as the <laughs> Uh, the breakaway pin is engaged is is in place. It won't be engaged, which means you need to periodically remove that battery, run a 12 volt tester over it, see how many volts it is. If it isn't 13 volts or thereabouts, you probably want to replace it. Okay. And I I have a question on the safety chains. What is the ideal length? Yeah, it's going to vary, and I've okay. seen them in in extreme lengths. I've seen them all the way up to 42 inches. I think uh, my living quarters rig, I think, are 36s, and so, uh, but they vary by type and they vary by size. On the larger trailers, where you get into, you know, 15, 18,000 pound living core trailers, these are generally G70 or above safety chains, and they're rated for specific snapping strength. Uh, on the lighter, smaller trailers, you don't see chains a third that size, and in different lengths. And trucks have changed, which is a whole other story. Uh, you know, the average truck today is probably five inches taller than it was, say, 10 years ago. And so the positioning of the hitches has changed. I know between mm-hmm. my 350 and my 450, uh, the, the position of where they place the actual hitch is different. So, again, you got to, you know, really look at this and say, okay, does that same emergency breakaway cable work on two different trucks with two different position hitches? Because it doesn't. 
and they have to have two different cables for the two different trucks because mm-hmm. they're different right. lengths. What's the ne- next thing, Dwayne? Right, let's, let's talk a little bit about flooring. Okay. Okay. You know, clearly flooring is an issue because we have trailers today that have just about every kind of floor in them. We have aluminum interlocking floors. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of different materials that we pour over those floors. And you can't really see what's going on underneath that floor, which means periodically you need to crawl underneath that trailer and make sure there's no flooring damage and check the, the strength of the wells, make sure that they're not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, typical horse trailer, like a stock trailer, for example, that has a wooden floor, you probably want to pull the mats out. Typically look at that entire floor, both top and bottom to make sure that it's not rotted. If you find any rotting in any of the timbers that were used for the flooring, pull it out and replace it. They're cheap. It'll save you a lot of pain, your horse a lot of pain, a lot of aggravation. Uh, it's not that big a deal to replace because they're simply just bolted in. And so flooring is a critical mass feature for anyone going down the road. We've mm-hmm. all heard the horror stories of the horse that went through the floor sure. and you know, mm-hmm. had to be destroyed. Uh, it's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, There are two items that I'd like to cover today that I think everyone should be carrying, okay? One is fire extinguishers. I really think you need two separate and distinct fire extinguishers for your rig, okay? The first one being a type ABC, and that should be for your truck. That is for oil, gas, grease, those types of fires, uh, which we will commonly see. The second one is going to be a type A, which is a water-based fire extinguisher, which is generally good for, um, you know, natural materials like shavings and straw and things that you people use to bed their trailers with. You know, we talked about this earlier where, you know, the horse was burned in a trailer. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. If somebody was driving by and they flicked a cigarette out. Somehow that went through the open drop-down window of the trailer. And it set the shavings on fire and burned this horse. Well, the horse started dancing around the trailer. The owner realized something was wrong, pulled over, found the interior of the trailer on fire. Uh, you know, without a proper fire extinguisher, all I can do is bail the horse out, right? Well, what if you had four horses in that trailer? And it takes some time to get them out. I carry a, an Amorex two and a half gallon water fire extinguisher. It's pressurized up to about 100 pounds. And standing on the back ramp, I can soak the front wall for about 35 seconds before I start running out of pressure, okay? Which means I can get all of those horses wet and go in after them one after another if I have to myself, which I recommend you, if you have to go into a burning trailer, you know, always hose yourself down with it first to give you, you know, a better chance, right? Because I don't think there's a person in the world that wouldn't run into a burning trailer to save their horse. Right. Um, So... Water-based, specifically for the horse trailer, because you don't want to be spraying, you know, chemical, you know, dust-type charged into the horse's eyes or into their Okay. The other thing is an infrared uh, temperature gauge. Um, I've had times when I was out pulling the trailer, I was pulling across Yellowstone, it seemed heavy to me. You know, I, didn't, I couldn't understand why, it just seemed it was dragging. And I pulled over and parked, I got out, and I run my temperature gauge across that trailer, and they were hot. I mean, hot, hot. Tires were hot. Significantly hotter than the truck tires and the truck brakes. After a little investigation, we found out that the hydraulic uh, disc controller was cycling and applying the brakes. And so, uh, at that temperature, had we proceeded down the other side of Sheldon Pass, 
And that could have easily been fatal with a 20,000 pound trailer, right? So carrying an infrared gauge, taking the temperatures on the tires, taking the temperatures on the brakes, clearly saved my life. I believe it would save others as well. Uh, critical as far as knowing, you know, where your safety line is. If you find that you've got hot brakes and hot tires, park on the side of the road and wait for a little while. You know, let it cool down and then proceed on. It might just be the thing that saves you or someone else's life. Yes, I always okay. check every time I fuel up. I walk. I do a full rig walk around and check all the tires and make sure everything's connected. And if we go inside somewhere and come back out, we always check to make sure everything is still, you know, properly hooked up. Because I've had friends that have come back out, you know, from eating at a restaurant and somebody somebody has disconnected their hitch. Ooh. I've had the same experience. Really? Have you? Mm-hmm. Had the same experience in Palmdale, California. We stopped at the store. We what are they trying to do? Steal the truck? Uh, <laughs> God knows, right? Started out, pulled up onto the highway, and saw the trailer lights flickering. Thought that was kind of odd. Pulled over and found the coupler was unlocked. And as the coupler was moving up and down on the ball, uh, this was a tongue-toe trailer, uh, it was losing ground, and that's what was causing oh the lights yeah. to flicker well, on the trailer. Lucky you didn't lose so, the whole thing there. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And so, again, that's why the safety chains in the EBS system are so critical. You know, had it jumped off completely, landed in the chains, the trailer would have drug us to a stop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gosh, well, thanks, Dwayne, for all your wonderful advice and information today. You're quite welcome. Daily Dose Equine offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves, and they have seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners. We invite you to learn more about Daily Dose Equine's origins and to find a formula that is perfect for your horse. Go to DailyDoseEquine.com. That's DailyDoseEquine.com. So we leave tomorrow. We got, uh, we're trying not to drive more than eight hours in a day. That's what we did last year during the trip. We tried not to do more than eight hours because when you're hauling a trailer, it just gets old. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I just did this kind of road trip too where it was a long drive every day and it's exhausting like, to get up and then sit down again for eight more hours, you it know, is. so. So, so where doing, are you headed? Well, we're going to be hitting around Pensacola. That's about eight hours from us, uh, Florida. And we're staying at campground there. And we're, then we're going to be heading to uh, Michelle Barr's house, who is one of our first listeners back in probably 2008. Um, and she's been friends ever since. We've actually stayed at her place before. She's in Louisiana. So we'll be staying there for two nights to kind of break Doesn't up the Doesn't she trip. have draft horses or something? She has the... Um, Cleveland Bays. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we've had her on the show, and she has Cleveland Bays. And when we stayed with her the last time, it was one of the best food trips we ever had. We went to New Orleans. We had the best food on that trip. Um, so we're going to stay there for two nights because we'll have two days of driving. And I said, look, I don't want a third day of driving from her house out to yours, which is another eight to ten hours. So we're staying there two nights at her farm and then going to be heading out to your place. So we should be at your place sometime Sunday night. But, it's it you know, it's hard to believe you're kind of in the middle of the country, and it's still going to take us three driving days to get there um but then we head from your place after we stay for i think 
four nights, and we head down to Texas to stay with Tammy Serrantz. So we're going to be with her for three or four nights, and Jennifer's going to get her first time in Dallas and Fort Worth. So oh, cool. she's never been to Fort Worth before, so it'll be her first time seeing the the Longhorns come down the street, you know, yep. that whole thing. So it'll be your first time doing there that. There is a guy with a Longhorn that you can climb up on and sit on, but he makes you put, throw your arm in the air like you're yee-hawing, and then they charge you like a million dollars for a photo. <laughs> totally worth okay. it. You should totally so do it. Just warned about that. <laughs> yeah. Instead You'll see that. the guy with the Longhorn that you can, you can, you don't get to ride it. You just get to sit on it. This Dang bull just stands there all day. Or cow, Ugh, I don't know. There's a job. Well, we are taking the train. There's a scenic train that goes out of there. Um, so we're doing that train trip because we have to do train trips wherever we go. Jennifer's family yeah, was a train I took family, the train so. from Oklahoma, Oklahoma City down to Dallas. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. We could be here 10 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a lot of stops. Uh, so... Yeah, so then we're going to be heading over for, I'm going to be at Podcast Movement for a couple days, which is the big podcasting conference, which is in Dallas. And then then right after that is the trade show with WISA, and those two are a block apart. So And then we'll be driving home. So uh, so it'll still be a long drive home from Dallas, but um, we're, we're looking forward to this trip. It'll be a little different, maybe not quite as stressful as the last one we did. By the way, it was last year this time we were on that trip. I keep getting the Facebook reminders. We were in Michigan. Today was the day Jennifer almost got taken out by the tornado in Michigan uh, last year. So You're just a glutton for punishment. And so you're (laughs) like, well, tornadoes up there. What I should do is I should head to Oklahoma where it's super hot and they have tornadoes. (laughs) And through the whole southern part of the country where all the tornadoes are. Yeah, that was wise. I figured that trailer's heavier. It probably won't blow us away as quick. You'll be fine. I'll be fine, yes. <laughs> so we are looking forward to it. Uh, even Jennifer, who was kind of whining about this trip, she's like, how did I get talked into this again? Yesterday said, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to getting away. And I think she's feeling a little better, too, because the horses are, are tucked in. They're doing fine over at the boarding stable. So yeah. she's feeling better about that, too. All right, I have to go. We have to pack. So go, thank you for joining fine. us today. We really appreciate it. Tomorrow is Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer will be here with a brand new episode. They recorded that earlier in the week. So, uh, and then Lisa and you, Lisa's going to be with you on Friday. Okay. So, because I will be driving to your house. So Lisa will be with you on Friday and we're going to be keep, and then next Wednesday is the big day, a week from today, 3000th episode. All right, buddy. Well, safe travels. I hope everything goes the way you want it to go and it is drama free and everything is fine. I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see everybody. Spain, neuter, gelds. <laughs>